Today on the show, we're injecting things into our bodies, inflating our sacks, and getting swole. <laughs> Welcome to Jim Jabbar. <laughs> Welcome to Gam Jabbar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name's Abu. My name is Leo. <laughs> and Leo. Yeah. We made a promise to our patrons, and despite every instinct in our body telling us <laughs> otherwise, here we are fulfilling that promise. Talking about sex. <laughs> I mean, face dancers. We're talking about face dancers. Hey. Yes. The prize jewel of the Benny Tleilax. Ugh, it's such a goopy, gross jewel. Indeed. Ew. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a pretty gross episode. There's going to be a lot of biology talk, a lot of talk about body parts and body shapes and sizes and injections. I will say genuinely all joking aside if you're like a sort of squeamish person we'll try to be very gentle throughout this episode we're not being like overly gross true but there will be talk of like injections and surgeries and body parts because we'll be talking about face dancers and the benny tillylax today indeed so just want to warn you up front that it's going to be a pretty gross episode but there is so much interesting doing lord today as well so i'm equally parts disgusted and excited <laughs> to get into it <laughs> yeah we really had to leave out chunks of paragraphs to uh keep this family friendly but listen y'all have no one to blame but yourselves so true because guess what <laughs> patrons voted for this <laughs> you could have heard about thufir howat yeah indeed indeed all right let's take care of some housekeeping for today's episode before we get into it sure first and foremost spoiler warning Today's episode will actually effectively have no spoilers. While face dancers are something that don't show up in the Dune saga until the second book, until Dune Messiah, the information we're going to be talking about today is a lot of background and expanded universe stuff, and so we actually won't be getting into any plot material in the books themselves. Right. So, no spoilers for today. All expanded lore. It's true. Now, today's episode was voted upon, as we joked about, by our patrons. If you don't want to miss out on the next vote, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gamjabar. Now, in addition to voting to help choose upcoming topics, you get ad-free episodes, early access to book clubs, some additional bloopers and bloopers is the word, bloopers (laughs) and clips, irony. And more. And, hey, we got to, as always, shout out our Queesats Haderach-level patrons. Yes. Case Aiken and Matthew Good. My God. My God. Guys, thank you so much. If I didn't know any better, I'd say the Tlay Laksu genetically modified you to both be generous and kind, wonderful people. Yeah, they definitely grew a generosity sack inside your body. <laughs> That the rest of us may not have. And inflated it to maximum size. <laughs> <laughs> so true. A reminder that another great way to support this show and to get yourself some great swag is to check out our merchandise on gamjabarshop.com. We got apparel, we got bags, accessories, all of it featuring original and exclusive art that was designed and or based around the Dune universe. Some of it is pretty vague and deep cut, but that's what we love here. What more could you ask for? <laughs> gamjabarshop.com and actually that last question was literal what more do you are you asking for please let us know <laughs> right finally we love to hear from you whether you have suggestions for things you want to see in the merch store or you want to tell us how much you hated this episode <laughs> gamjabarpodcast at gmail.com it's an email address you can send us messages you can send us pet <laughs> pictures uh, you just have to write it and then you have to hit send is how traditionally it, uh, it works. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. And that's after you log on to AOL 
with your yeah. dial-up connection. <laughs> yeah, in your you pop Netscape that CD browser. into your CD-ROM drive. Yeah, yeah you open up Netscape oh, for the fifteen minutes, the AOL fifteen-minute CDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair warning, though, your phone line will be blocked, so True. your grandma won't be able to call you while you're writing up your email to us. So let her know. You listen. We'll give you permission to draft up a second email to send to your grandma. <laughs> she can't get it because she doesn't have a computer because it's 1997. Like only certain people have computers, but uh, she'll get it eventually, maybe. <laughs> oh my God, what is this bit? All righty, let's talk about today's episode. Naturally, we are going to start at the beginning and talk about the earliest known history of the face dancers. And then once we cover that, We'll move on to discussing what we know about their abilities, particularly their abilities around the time of Dune. And then finally, we'll wrap up the episode by exploring the various surgeries and training methods and hormonal treatments that a face dancer must undergo in order to get those incredible abilities. Right. So in short, it's about to be over an hour of information that you will maybe regret learning and it'll also be really fun (laughs) indeed but first we're going to take a quick break so stick around when we're back we're going to get into the earliest history of face dancers welcome back everyone let's start today's discussion with a history lesson so before we get into our shape-shifting assassins right Let's establish the state of the technology on early Tleilax. Some of this will be a bit of recapping about the Benny Tleilax. We did an entire episode about them. So if you want a deeper look and a deeper understanding about them and their culture and their history, be sure to go find that episode on the feed. So famously, the Butlerian Jihad knocked out pretty much all advanced technology on pretty much most planets with the exception of only a few. And Planet Tleilax was one of those few, unfortunately, for Mm -hmm. (laughs) pretty much everybody. They mostly dodged the bullet. They mostly dodged that carnage. And they were able to hold on to some of their more advanced, now debatable technologies. That being said, they did see it happen. Yeah, (laughs) They saw the Butlerian Jihad happened and they were like, "Mm, maybe we should not invoke that wrath. Right. So they knew that they had to basically pivot away from anything too sparkly, anything too technical. Right. I mean, they read the writing on the wall. Right. And were like, okay, how do we survive this thing? Right. And the way they chose to survive it was to pivot what they were researching towards the quote unquote soft sciences. So medicine, biology, sociology, genetics, et cetera, right. instead of the very Silicon Valley-esque technology that Ix would later become known for. Right. There were a couple of benefits that came with this pivot towards the soft sciences. First off, those sciences were cheaper to iterate with, and they required fewer raw materials and resources. Right. So those budget constraints didn't become so constrainty <laughs> at that point. Right. You don't have to like go mine some more ore to like do your new sociology experiment. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. All you got to do is go mine some pawindas to study on. Those are much easier. True. (laughs) You're jumping right into the deep references to (laughs) play laxy language. Yeah. Off-worlders, outsiders. Yeah. Right. Right. The second benefit that came with these soft sciences was there was a much lower chance of upsetting this new wave of anti-technology sentiment that was sweeping across the Imperium. Right. And so there was less chance of retaliation, basically a way to survive this Butlerian Jihad without getting eradicated. Right. And finally, although it's nice to get a new iPhone every year, (laughs) ultimately understanding sort of the deep psychology and physiology behind everything, you know, behind how humanity works and how nature works and how genetics work could yield like immeasurable reward. Yeah. Right? Like you can make a new True. iPhone and have some breakthroughs perhaps, but to truly understand the brain, yeah. The payoff there is big, you know, high risk, high reward perhaps. 
And so it made them quite competitive as they became more and more proficient in these soft sciences. The Bene Tleilaks were able to compete against cultures like the Ixians, who, as I mentioned earlier, became known for their shiny new iPhones and <laughs> yearly releases of new Keurigs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the fanciest Keurigs. Also, it, it's interesting, throughout this episode, there will be a couple of parallels that we see between the Bene Gesserit and like what the Bene Gesserit did totally. with their muscular control, but also politics and manipulation as like their primary means of gaining power in the Imperium. Yeah. Yeah, kind of interesting. Now, as a quick aside, watching all of their scientific colleagues basically obliterated <laughs> during the Butlerian Jihad did leave a notable mark on the Tleilaxu psyche. The Bene Tleilax and the culture that would create face dancers was a hyper-paranoid and xenophobic culture. Right. One that was like anti-anything other than them. <laughs> very tribalistic. <laughs> yeah. Very like, we are the right way. We are, we are the way. And in fact, the face dancers, as this product of the Tleilax culture, would become one of the only basically points of contact between planet Tleilax and the Imperium from basically then on. Right. And as we talked about in our Tleilax episode, yes, they're on the fringes of the galaxy. Yes, they're a very isolationist, paranoid, xenophobic society, as you've stated. Right. But they do have to interact with the rest of the Imperium. They cannot exist in pure isolation and continue to survive and thrive right. as a planet, as a society. So when they were discovered by the Spacing Guild in 23 BG, they started negotiating trade deals. We have products to offer, right? Right. Dear Imperium, we will sell you things that you want in exchange for not bothering us. Let us continue to exist on the fringe. Perhaps we'll even negotiate some protection deals with the Spacing Guild or with our clients. Mm -hmm. And in exchange, you will get the unique products that we can now create because we're so proficient in these soft sciences. What exactly these products were isn't super detailed in the Dune Encyclopedia or even in the Dune books right. themselves. So it's hard to say exactly what the Tleilax were selling. Hilariously, a reason that's given for this is because no one wanted to admit, basically, where they were getting their weird shit from. So <laughs> yeah. the Tleilaxi were definitely, like, selling some, like, products that you, like, you just don't tell your grandmother about, right? Like, you don't mention <laughs> it in that email you're writing to her in Netscape. Right, right. And you definitely don't mention that you ordered it from, you know, tleilaxu.shop.com or whatever. So <laughs> it's kind of a hilarious internal logic in the Dune universe that explains why we don't know <laughs> these Tleilaxu products is because people were a little bit ashamed that they owned them, but they still owned them. And this, to me, to be very clear, basically all but <laughs> confirms in the canon that sex toys exist in the Dune universe and that the Tleilaxu were the primary creators and sellers <laughs> of them. <laughs> I was going to say, you're like crashing at a friend's house and he's like, do not open that drawer <laughs> next to my bed. The one with the lotion. You're like, okay, uh, is it full of Tleilaxu shit? He's like, I'm not going to say it's not. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But don't open it is the point. Yeah. <laughs> Historians yeah, yeah, are yeah, like, yeah. and we never learned what was inside of that <laughs> bedside table. <laughs> the notable exceptions to this rule, of course, as we mentioned in our Tleilax episode, are axolotl tanks and face dancers. Right. And that takes us finally to talking about our earliest face dancers, which arose within the 6th millennium AG. And I wanted to point out here, because I love this little anecdote, and I honestly think this is so on brand yeah. for the Tleilaxu. There are some early legends and anecdotal kind of references that could actually indicate something called the Loop Garo, a.k.a shapeshifters aka werewolves <laughs> hello hello and there isn't any historical data to support this right the dune encyclopedia points out hey like this is something we've heard whispers of but we haven't seen anything clear and solid but i've just got to say knowing what i know about the benny tleilax 
100% I would believe that they had like remnants of old Terran myths of werewolves and they were like, yeah, (laughs) yep, bet, say less, we're going to do that. We're going to make a guy turn into a wolf because fucking why not? We're the Benny Twilight's classic move. (laughs) Yeah, completely. I mean, Frankenstein to them was not a cautionary tale, but an aspirational one. Right. That is the Benny Tleilax. (laughs) MVP, (laughs) Frankenstein. So fucked up the way he was persecuted by all those butlery, I mean, villagers. (laughs) So true. So true. So, as we stated, the earliest face dancers started showing up in Dune history in the sixth millennium. And they specifically made their debut in the court of Emperor Corin the 14th Carino. Mm-hmm. in the year 5,122 AG. And at the time, these aren't necessarily the modern face dancers that we come to know in the Dune books. They mostly function as entertainers and dancers and mimics right? with Cirque du Soleil-like abilities, basically. They're entertainers. Right, yeah. We've made this joke before, but I really do like to picture like Jim Carrey, like his old stand-up routines that he did with his facial impressions yeah meets a contortionist Mm -hmm. meets like a modern dancer Mm -hmm. meets that uh that guy on tiktok who does the great like howard stern and like jeff goldblum impressions yeah yeah just all around entertainer very very good at what they did right yeah very good at what they did within limits like these aren't the transformative face dancers we'll come to talk about in a little bit but they still got pretty great reviews. The Dune Encyclopedia tells us that, quote, some students of the period believe that they accomplished their purposes with skill, end quote. Mm, okay, yeah. And that's not exactly like a glowing Yelp review of <laughs> a face dancer troupe's performance, but it's still not a bad one. Their skills were still acknowledged here, at the very least, and that that's sort of the key takeaway, is that from the very beginning, they were acknowledged as accomplished individuals. Right. Now, we have a dark twist to this fun little anecdote. Mm-hmm. There's a historian, C. Suff Mylar, or Miller, who is a uh, historian within Dune, who argued that they were almost certainly involved in <laughs> the same Corin 14 Carino's assassination. <laughs> Big yikes. <laughs> Big yikes, Yeah. <laughs> You're like, hey, remember the clown from that birthday party? You're like, yeah, I think he's part of the murder. You're like, right. what? Turns Whoa. out he was a killer clown. <laughs> it's a killer, like every clown. Hashtag come for me. <laughs> yeah. Basically, like if he had made this claim at the time, I think people would have been a little bit shocked or maybe surprised to hear that as a possibility. But in retrospect, it makes a ton of sense. Oh, yeah. We know that the face dancers become these spies, you know, masters of espionage and getting close to their targets and murders. <laughs> so it does make <laughs> sense. But Cesuf Miller goes a little bit further and says the Lancerat, in fact, discovered that the Tleilaxu were involved in the assassination. But I guess they just were so happy with their Tleilaxu sex toys. They were like, Ah, it's fine. Like, we'll cover it up. It's cool. We got that weird shit from Tleilax. We're really happy with it. We don't want that to yeah. go away. Right. <laughs> now, I cross-checked some dates here. Corin the 14th, Carino, was killed 85 years after that initial, the hot drop of the new face dancer model. Yeah. So I think that Mylar here or Miller here isn't talking about that one specific day in court, you know, I think it was more, they made a debut there. They probably went a number of times and across multiple times became involved in this assassination plot. Yeah. But anyway, typical Tleilaxu, always fucking murdering people, (laughs) totally willy nilly. Right. As we come to know, this will become very on brand for them. Yeah. Very on brand. But of course, this is the galaxy's first introduction to them. And they're seemingly just a bunch of silly clowns doing like flips and tricks on trapezes and stuff. So yeah, it is bold for this Dune historian to 
basically make the claim that like, no, they, they were killing people all the way back then too. Yeah. It's probably a primary goal. Step one, <laughs> learn to kill. Step two, flips and shit. <laughs> right. You're right. going to be a great clown. Right. Exactly. So fast forwarding, basically over the following thousands of years, face dancers were the primary product of the Benny Tleilax. They were their main export out into the Imperium. Right. And they served a couple of functions. True to their original debut, they were almost always hired as entertainers and mimes and dancers. And they were also super expensive in that role. Yeah. Like having a face dancer performance at your party, at your birthday party, at your sweet 16, was a flex. That was like a rich person thing to do. Right. And it was you basically flaunting your wealth and status if you had a face dancer performance. And every single one of them was wearing a Supreme hat. It was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) What a... (laughs) What a flex. There's bottle service? Oh, my God. And face yeah, dancers? Yeah. Dang. This party's lit. Exactly. So you can imagine how <laughs> lucrative these face dancers became for the Benny Tleilax as well. Right. Just like a purely business level. And for the most part, these face dancer entertainers were well regarded. Most of the universe saw them, quote, with a mixture of awe, admiration, and revulsion, end quote. <laughs> And I know we're making a lot of clown jokes, but that's basically my definition of a clown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's very impressive. I admire the work you do and somehow still revulsed. <laughs> right. Stay six feet away from me for both COVID reasons and for my own personal <laughs> anxiety. Ah, <laughs> uh, COVID gave us the perfect excuse to keep a distance, a safe distance from clowns. <laughs> <laughs> Right. You can't stab me at six feet, you know, or at least I'll see it coming. <laughs> Unless they're one of those clowns with the long arms. <laughs> oh, my God. Nightmares. <laughs> so, of course, these face dancer entertainers were very profitable on just like a purely business level for the Benny Tleilax. But this is the Benny Tleilax we're talking about here. So there's like a deeper and more nefarious purpose for them as well. The whole time that these face dancer troops are going around the galaxy at these fancy parties for these rich people and entertaining them with their abilities, the real goal was intelligence gathering. Right. Here's how the Dune Encyclopedia puts it. Quote, No one supposes that monetary considerations were ever primary in decisions to let the face dancers travel, for the face dancers were the most competent intelligence gathering network the Imperium ever endured. End quote. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Killer clowns who are also CIA agents for the Benny Tleilax. Crazy. (laughs) Insane. But how do they do it? What are these clowns, these Cirque du Soleil, Jim Carrey uh, entertainers? (laughs) What do they do? What can they do? Yeah. Let's talk about their abilities. We've sort of set the stage for these terrible clowns, but we... In talking about their abilities, do need to mention that they shift over time. (laughs) The uh, Benny Tleilax are never ones to sit back on on a perfect product, quote-unquote. They're always going to be iterating and changing things. So we are today, as we talk about face dancer abilities, focusing on the 10,191 AG model of the face dancer. Right. Basically, what we meet in Dune Messiah and not focusing on anything that maybe comes later. None of these included Bluetooth connectivity (laughs) options. Right, right. They won't engrave the face dancer with like a cute message for your mom or something, but (laughs) Bluetooth is an option. That's like a customization option. The Apple face dancer comes with an emoji you can engrave on the the forehead. (laughs) I do hear one model of face dancers had a very controversial notch. Oh, it's true. It was divisive. You know, people were real split on that one. (laughs) I'll always be iterating is the lesson here. So let's talk about some of their abilities, as you said. Far from those early mimic dancers, modern face dancers have a wild set of abilities that go well beyond entertaining the masses. The modern face dancer could reproduce, quote, personalities, voices, physical forms, and movements of others, end quote. Mm, Yeah. Which is 
all pretty good, but the physical forms part of that is where it gets absolutely wild because they literally can change the way they look to mimic someone. Right. Within minutes, too. Like, it's not, they, they don't need to, like, hashtag study the blade or whatever for years to be able to copy someone within minutes they can change their height their face their weight their hair color the length of their hair and even their sexual organs all of which we're going to talk about in the back half of the episode yeah they can do that within minutes and completely copy someone that they know right that goes well beyond putting on a clown nose and a wig. <laughs> Although they can also <laughs> do that if you can believe it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, they can, as you said, someone they know. And this is where we have maybe one of the limiting factors for the accuracy of their transformation. Yeah. Master face dancers could, in just one minute, 60 seconds, start the clock. My God. Nail a rough similarity, <laughs> uh, which I think is, is kind of funny. Because if they only had 60 seconds and then they like become, I don't know, Robert Downey Jr. And you're like... Yeah, you do kind of look like the bartender at my local bar, though. Like, <laughs> I see it. I know I see it for sure. I see it. But uh, and you got shorter. That's wild. But still. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But given more time than 60 seconds, given hours of observation, they could fool casual acquaintances of the victim. Oh, no. Right. So people who had encountered them, maybe even worked with them occasionally, they could fool them fully and given several days to observe, they were undetectable to even the closest friends and associates. Oh, my God. I know. Lifelong friends would be like, yeah, that's Robert Downey Jr., 100%. <laughs> Acting in movies, the director's like, good old Bobby, <laughs> good old Bobby Jr. <laughs> it's wild to think about. And it is pointed out that this isn't magic, right? Like... I think about those like body swap horror movies where mm -hmm. it turns out it's not actually your friend Jessica. Oh, no. Right. The more time that the face dancer would spend with the close associates of that person, of the victim, of the target, the more likely they were to be discovered. Absolutely. Much like any sort of espionage operation, right? Right. The longer it has to go on, the more chances for a slip up. Right. Now, all of these abilities sound fine within perhaps a fantasy setting, right? Yeah. Like Polyjuice Potion in Harry Potter yeah, yeah, does yeah. basically the same thing. Right. And that's a fantasy setting full of magic, and we can accept that. But where all of this sort of gets weird and awful <laughs> in how the Dune Encyclopedia <laughs> explains it is the Benny Tleilax's ability to achieve these fantastical powers through science. Right. Through just brute force biological sciences. Quote, the Tleilaxu endowed the face dancers with these abilities by a combination of rigorous training, embryological manipulation, and incredibly delicate surgery. End quote. <laughs> so this isn't magic. This isn't fantasy. This is science achieving what appears to be magic. And I personally appreciate the effort that both the Dune Saga goes to and the Dune Encyclopedia goes to to trying to at least keep the universe grounded in some sort of science. Yeah. As fantastical as it may appear, right. Frank and the writers of the Dune Encyclopedia really try to keep Dune's lore rooted in science and in this case more specifically in human biology and not just it's magic, don't think about it, it just happens. Which is always nice that such a thorough consideration has been given to a science fiction universe. Yeah. And also not to discount the impact that 20,000 years of like very intentional breeding could have, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about and actually 30, 30 ish thousand years in the future. Right. But, you know, I'm 100% I'm with you here. I love that Frank focused on a very human future. Right. And I appreciate all this stuff as well. Didn't need as many sacks <laughs> as we're about to talk about, but good heavens. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about how they were bred and produced to have these seemingly magical, mystical abilities. Mm. To be clear, 
how they make face dancers is like the ultimate secret sauce of the Benny Toilax. Like they're definitely not out here yeah. tweeting their recipe so you can make your own at home. <laughs> but you are, as listeners of Gamjabar, privileged to our inside info, <laughs> insider info yes. that we've gotten via a character via the Dune Encyclopedia. So yep. this is also where things get a little bit more graphic, although as Abu pointed out at the beginning, we are really going to do our best to just talk about what is being done and not really glorify the gross parts of it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so we will get into how to create your own face dancer at home, a do-it-yourself recipe by Gam Jabbar, <laughs> right after another short break. So stick around if you're interested in making your own face dancer at home. We'll see you in a minute. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you went to the grocery store and got all of your ingredients ready because we're <laughs> going to tell you how to cook up a face dancer. <laughs> so we've talked about the finished product, right? The skills and abilities of a finished face dancer. Yeah. But we're going to talk now about how they get them. And I'm sorry to say we've got details. <laughs> so in our DIY guide, first, you got to choose the right parents. You need the right genetic material. Mm. You got to make sure they're set up for success, right? And the criterium here makes a certain amount of sense. You want people who are strong, dexterous, and slender folk. And again, immediately I'm picturing like Cirque du Soleil, right? Like right. I'm a I'm a heavier Scottish dude. No, not me. Not a good candidate for father of a face dancer. You want live, like dexterous, bendy, flexible, right? Yeah, definitely. But also, you want to make sure of a certain height. We are told that the ideal parents would be between 1.65 to 1.68 meters tall, <laughs> which is equivalent to about 5 foot 5 uh, to about 5 foot 6. So it's really a narrow margin there. Yeah. Once parents... Uh, although I realize I kept using the word parents in the script. They used the word breeders, which is like, uh, uh, bleh, you know, a little gross. Uh, so once breeders were selected, the sperm and egg were joined in vitro, which is to say in a lab, not in a mama. So basically mom and dad can get out of here. We got what we need. Y'all are done. Go back to work. Go back to doing what you're doing. That's right. Thank you, mom and dad. Bye-bye. <laughs> Here's the paycheck we owe you or whatever. You know, I assume <laughs> right. people do it for money. Right. <laughs> this is where we're going to get into how each of the face dancer's abilities are created, like what biological scientific steps are taken to give them these abilities. So for context, like this first one we're going to talk about, is how the Benny Tleilax give these face dancers the ability to change their height. And to be very, very clear, the Dune Encyclopedia gets so incredibly dense here. <laughs> yeah. Like hundreds of words, like 30 of which we maybe understand. <laughs> it's so overly scientific. And some of it is like so jargony that I'm I was like Googling words to try and find definitions and realizing, <laughs> oh, this one is made up. This right. one is real. Right. This one right. is made up. This one is real. Oh, my God. And so we are going to do our best to really pare this down into just an understandable explanation of how these abilities are created within the face dancers. All of that is to say, though, if you're like a real sciencey person who can just read that stuff and know what is made up and what's real, right? we really encourage you to check out the face dancer entry in the encyclopedia. Because it is truly fascinating. We're not going to get into the super science-y stuff of it on this episode, but it might interest some of you more science-minded folks out there. So we wanted to mention it. Yeah. Especially like embryotic development, because there's a lot of like which cells are used for what and stacks of cells. And yeah. it's it's so much. I mean, we cut a bunch of stuff because it's gross. We also cut quite a bit because it just doesn't make sense if you <laughs> right. don't know some of these words, to your point. So let's start off. Let's talk about how they vary their height. So face dancers can get taller or shorter to match their victim, which makes a certain sense. You're like, oh, it's Robert Downey Jr. 
but you're like six seven. <laughs> Why are you so big? <laughs> so they had to be able to match their victims within a certain range. Naturally, this ability follows an extensive multi-step process. To begin, while the baby was still growing in the tank, <laughs> Tleilaxu technicians would, at the eight-week mark, begin intervening chemically to accomplish two things, basically. First, they would stimulate the overdevelopment of back muscles along, I guess, the spine. Gotta have that absolutely shredded fucking sculpted back (laughs) (laughs) as a baby. Yeah. Right, right. Very muscular baby backs. (laughs) (laughs) Feels so weird to say those words in that order. My whole body revolted saying that sentence. Second, they aimed to leave the face dancer with a number of basically elastic, here's here's a quote, intervertebral discs. So instead of, or maybe between the vertebras of the spine is my understanding. Yeah. Basically, the goal was a human who could, through extensive training and very specific muscular control, flex to increase or constrict and compact those elastic discs to basically increase or decrease the length of their spine. Gross. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Ew. Ew. Just imagining the sounds associated with that. Oh, God. I didn't even think about that. Imagine a face dancer ASMR channel on YouTube. I'm going to put today's video. I'm going to be extending my spine. And it's Holy just like shit. cracking and popping as they. <laughs> wow, I'm so grossed out. But if that exists, drop the link, dear listener. <laughs> I need to watch that for research. <laughs> <laughs> Joking aside, this ability to change their height is effective. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Because the Dune Encyclopedia tells us that an adult face dancer can apparently vary their height up to 23 centimeters, 15 centimeters up or about seven or eight centimeters down. Right. So in other words, they could get six inches taller or three inches shorter, which is impressive. So for example, if we take their average height of around 5'5", that means that they can impersonate a target that is as short as 5'2", and as tall as (gasps) 5'11". Wow. That's a pretty large range to be able to change your height at will. Yeah. That's a pretty widespread. Yeah. It also occurs to me, I'm like 6'2", six 6'3". Six uh-huh. So, dude, you're in luck. <laughs> I'm I'm out of their range. I am yeah. safe. Confirmed. Although. Uh-huh. Oh, shit. I'm realizing. I don't know. How tall are you? I happen to fall... Exactly between the ranges of 5'2 and 5'11. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to have to test you, aren't I? <laughs> Shit. What's something only Abu would know? <laughs> oh, well. well. We'll leave that to the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's patron content right there, you know? Abu gets tested. A Turing test for Abu. <laughs> Tune into see. our live testing whether or not Abu's been replaced by a face dancer assassin. <laughs> TBD podcast may end. <laughs> so putting aside the fact that I may or may not be a face dancer, that's how they get their ability to change their height. Right. Let's next talk about another incredible power they have which is the ability to vary their body size. Because we know the breeders that are selected are intentionally sort of these lithe and flexible individuals. Right. So what if a face dancer has to impersonate someone that is larger than them? Yeah. How are they able to do that? The Dune Encyclopedia explains that luckily for them, humans apparently have something called a colum or a colomic sac. Yeah. And we have four versions of these sacs. Two pleural colomic sacs, one pericardial colomic sac, and one peritoneal colomic sac. Right. And again, that's just a taste. That's like 2% of the fucking science terms this part of the encyclopedia (laughs) is throwing out. Yeah. From what the Dune Encyclopedia tells us, these are basically areas within your body that don't contain any organs. 
but are typically empty. The Dune Encyclopedia uses an analogy of deflated balloons, so that's perhaps an easier way to picture them. Yeah, I appreciated them giving us that simple analogy in the Dune Encyclopedia. I'm like, the author here clearly saw that they were getting lost in the sauce and had to like scale it back a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so during embryonic development, these colomic sacs were basically pushed and prodded into strategic places in the face dancer's body so that they could be used for specific things, right? And then they'd be left alone, basically, until the face dancer grew through puberty. And once fully grown and developed, tubes and valves, (laughs) this is wild, would be surgically inserted into the body, into the face dancer's body. And it was these tubes and valves that allowed the face dancer to utilize these sacs to shift the shape of their body, as the Dune Encyclopedia explains. Quote, The face dancer opened the valves by muscular action and, by closing the glottis, pumped air from the lungs into the expanding sacs, much as one might puff up one's cheeks. End quote. Wow. (laughs) So, I definitely, reading that, puffed up my own cheeks. Yeah. And then was like, why did I do that? Ew. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I just made myself upset. That's great. Once the sacs are the right size, they can relax the valve muscles and the air is trapped, basically keeping the face dancer looking that kind of expanded, heavier size. And the effect here was they could have a much more robust neck. They could kind of look much fuller in their kind of stomach area. They could also simulate breasts of any desired size. Hello. Yeah, those Hollywood plastic surgeons quaking in their boots right now. Face dancers <laughs> are out here changing it up minute to minute. Yeah. Just like you'd puff up your cheeks, folks. Yeah. Has anyone in, in Hollywood tried using colomic sacs, perhaps? <laughs> God, I hope not. I really hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. So the results of these... Inflatable sacs is pretty incredible when it comes to the variability of the body sizes and shapes they could achieve. Right. We're told that the face dancers normally weighed around 55 kilograms, which is 121 pounds. But with all of their sacs inflated, they could look as hardy as 120 kilograms, which is 265 pounds. Wow. They could make themselves look twice as big as their natural body size and shape. That being said, though, and here's kind of a silly quirk of all of this, they still pretty much weighed the same because it's just sacks full of hot air. Right. And as the Dune Encyclopedia notes, this is one of the weak spots of a face dancer's disguise. This is one way you can test them and see whether or not they are actually the person you think they are or if they are just an inflated sack person. (laughs) Right. You're like, listen, six seven Robert Downey Jr., a little suspicious, but come over here, sit on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if you weigh the right amount. <laughs> now, as a fun little side note here. Right. These inflatable f- air sacs actually rendered the face dancer <laughs> unsinkable. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is such a whimsical note to suddenly have in the encyclopedia. (laughs) And it also gives credence to the, do they float or are they innocent? Like witch trials test, you know? Yeah, that's what I thought of. Throw them in the lake, see if they float. Interesting. Yeah. So there you have it. That's how they change their body shapes using these colomic sacs within their bodies. Right. Let's talk about perhaps their most famous ability and the ability that gives them their name. They can change the way their faces look. Hey. Face dancers. Shortly after birth, face dancers received injections to stop their skull from fully developing to bone, which is already a pretty upsetting sentence, but bear with us. Yeah. Technicians also encouraged the growth and development of kind of muscle-like tissue between the plates of the skull, and they replaced specific facial bones with, quote, Envelopes of elastic cartilage filled with material of a putty-like consistency. End quote. Very gross. 
But even with their hardware different, they've still got to work to earn this title of face dancer, right? Yeah. Right now, the face is just modified. It's not dancing yet. Yes. So this is where the training comes in. That's right. You got to learn to two-step before you can call yourself a dancer. <laughs> right. Is that a real dance? I don't know. I yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> like I'm a face dancer, but I specialize in salsa. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so this is where that similarity to the Benny Gesserit really shines through that we talked about earlier, because the exercises they have to do are not dissimilar from Benny Gesserit Prana Bindu muscular control training. Right. They basically learn to squish and push these various muscles around to change their facial shape. Yeah. Quote, by mastery of these muscles, the face dancer changed such things as the size and shape of his cheekbones as easily and quickly as one might smile. End quote. I hate that. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, the almost the most striking part of all of this information we've learned is just how quickly this is, right? You would think it would take time. Yeah. But they just like yeah. change on a dime. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> now, for long-term disguises, that aforementioned putty envelope <laughs> could actually be molded for a disguise that would remain until they desired to change it. So they had some more permanent solutions for when they were going to be undercover longer. Mm-hmm. And finally, that muscle-like tissue that's between those skull plates could also be manipulated to change the size and shape of their head, the entire like head structure, within reason, right? right. Like I'm sure there are some limitations to how they can like change their actual head, but again, the fact that they have this like muscle-like tissue and that they have these envelopes full of putty material give them the malleability in their face and head to really adjust it to fit their needs to really copy their targets look this whole thing is excessive but i really doubt i would notice someone's skull shape was a little different <laughs> <laughs> right you're like wait a second you had a rounder head last time i saw seems excessive but you know again they want to cross every t and dot every i yeah i like that bit on the getting hit in the face hit in the nose you know mm. if you're out with your friend and they get bopped in the nose by something and they suddenly have a different nose may not be your friend watch out moving on let's talk about how they change hair and eye color yeah and this section is going to be one part really hard to believe and one part (laughs) totally reasonable (laughs) (laughs) right right. (laughs) first up their hair color and there are two documented stages in face dancer development leading up to dune Early face dancers used wigs. They just put on wigs, just wigs. They had wigs <laughs> that they used to impersonate people. All right. They, Amazing. Great. Yeah. Later on, though, and this is where things get a little nuts, skilled face dancers could, using the muscular tissue between their skull plates, they could consciously vary the supply of blood to their scalp. Okay. So they would like increase or decrease blood flow to their scalp, which would shift the temperature of their scalp by a range of four degrees Celsius. I, it took me like 15 minutes to figure out how to Google this. A range of four degrees Celsius, I think is a range of eight degrees Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. And I, I am bad at numbers. So that took me a while. If that's wrong, I'm sorry, (laughs) but (laughs) that is my understanding. It's a range of about eight degrees Celsius. Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. And here's where we tell you the wigs didn't exactly go away. Exactly. (laughs) They're not growing their own hair. They don't have natural hair. They're bald. Okay. I said it. Yeah. Here we are. We've made it. (laughs) We've made it to bald face dancers. That's right. That's right. They don't have their own natural hair. What they do have in its place is synthetic hair that contains temperature-sensitive liquid crystals. And perhaps, dear listener, you're starting to connect the dots here. These synthetic hairs would change color with the temperature. Mm. And so when they changed the temperature of their scalp, that four degrees Celsius variability would also control what color this synthetic hair was. 
Although, this was maybe one of the toughest parts of the face dancer tech for the Benny Tleilax to really figure out. Apparently, it took over a thousand years of development and troubleshooting to be able to nail this synthetic hair and the hair color variability and to control it properly. Right. And of course, there's always issues like if temperature is the variable that controls it, <laughs> that all limits like what if you walk out in the sun on a really hot day and yeah. suddenly you're you're a bleach blonde and you were a black haired person indoors, you know, like <laughs> that temperature being the X factor that changes the hair color right. also adds another sort of variable to the whole equation of being a face dancer that you have to worry about. You're like, no, dude, I went to Supercuts and I got their executive transition (laughs) hair dye. It's light outside and dark inside. It's great. Yeah. Just like glasses, man. Why are you making this weird? (laughs) Yeah. Or I think about like the ice bucket challenge, you know? Like, come on, guys, let's do the ice bucket challenge. <laughs> You're like, no, yeah, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> His hair is green. It's for, a, it's for a good cause. And the face dancer awkwardly has to be like, I uh, I know it's for a good cause. I just, I don't want to. I just uh, don't I, like getting wet. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ice bucket challenge era was tough for face dancers, that's for sure. Yeah. Not speaking from experience, just uh, I'd have to imagine. Abu. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But so far, we've just talked about color. What about a haircut? And it's here that the Dune Encyclopedia basically concedes they can't suddenly change the length of their hair. But, and this is a big old but, another prenatal modification left them with the ability to manually flex, voluntarily flex, the erector muscles at the base of each hair. Okay. That sounds made up. And I don't know what I thought was reality, but I just learned that these are real. What? (laughs) Okay. Here. Erectoris pylorum muscles are also known as hair erector muscles and are small muscles attached to hair follicles in mammals. And I was quoting Google just now. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, okay, I, hair standing on end, right? Like, I know that's a thing. There's a spooky ghost nearby. Your hair stands on right, end. Right, Sure, that's science. I just assumed the spooky ghost was holding up the hairs. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I didn't know we had muscles. Anyway, point is, they could control these very apparently real muscles and allowed them to immediately give the impression of longer hair they could make it look really clean and neat or they could make it look like bedhead they could kind of style it that way on a dime right yeah anyway that is how face dancers can adjust the color and then their uh, almost length of their hair basically right right now as far as eye color is concerned they use contact lenses. <laughs> Just pop an old what? colored contact lens in there and you're uh, good to go. You suddenly have blue eyes or green eyes or gray eyes or whatever. It's magic. How do they do it? <laughs> How did the Benny Tleilax figure that one out? <laughs> there is a note in the Dune Encyclopedia beyond that, actually, that if they were given enough time over a couple of days, they could manually stimulate production of specific hormones in their eyes mm-hmm. to like force that color change to happen. But it sounds like for most operations, it was just like easier and cheaper and faster to use contact lenses and be done with it quickly. Right. Rather than go through this days long process of changing the hormones in your eyeballs or whatever, just <laughs> right. to change the eye color. Right. Apparently this hormonal control also applied to skin color as well. They could disperse and concentrate melanin at will as needed to adjust the variability of their skin color as well. So there were natural ways for them to change these things, like eye color and skin color. But as far as the eyes were concerned, it's probably cheaper and faster just to use contact lenses. Right. All right. That leads us oh boy, to <laughs> the most curated of our sections today (laughs) the variability of their sex organs right so we're going to make this as family friendly as possible we swear and as much as we make a lot of dick jokes on this podcast 
we will be as mature about this as possible as well. Now, it's important to note that face dancers are sterile and are technically immature males. They are sexually immature males. They could have been, really, any gender. It doesn't, the gender doesn't super matter, but with biologically male babies, there was like one fewer surgery necessary. Yeah. <laughs> and the face dancer technicians were kind of lazy or, or they just wanted to be as efficient as possible. So not having to do an extra surgery, they were like sold, done. We're going to make sure that specific sex organs are developing when the baby is prenatal, basically. Yeah, exactly. The Dune Encyclopedia explains that basically there was this extra necessary step to do surgery and stuff with the uterus. But if you just breed the face dancers without a uterus, you don't need that extra step or that extra surgery. So the Benny Tulilacs were trying to be as efficient as possible here with the sex organs. Right. And for their missions, ultimately, the face dancers did have the ability to perform sexually as any role. Right. Through hormonal treatments and minor surgery, every single face dancer was equipped with both a penis and a vagina. Mm -hmm. And without getting into the sort of gory details of it all, basically, they were able to utilize either tool at will. And that was important, of course, because a face dancer may have a target that is a different gender from them or has different biological uh, sexual organs than them. And so every face dancer basically had what they needed to impersonate any kind of body type. Yeah. I mean, we said earlier, closest acquaintances. And man, <laughs> your closest acquaintances don't know what your sex organs look like. Are they even? Okay. Only joke I'll leave in this section. <laughs> You're like, yo, what up, bro? Wait a second. That's not my bro's sex bro. organs. <laughs> so <Bro>. lay off. <laughs> bro, your package looks not the right bro. So something's up. Bros don't let bros get impersonated by face dance. <laughs> yeah, I mean they might have like seduction missions or they might have missions where that was necessary. So all of this was important. And that's all we need to say, basically. That's yes. moving on. <laughs> they had what they needed for their missions. Moving on. Right. <laughs> Let's round out this section then by talking about just some other miscellaneous abilities that face dancers had. Yeah. Some of which do very much come in handy for their missions and others of which seem almost like byproducts of their engineering. That are just kind of fun to talk about. So let's breeze through these lightning style. Right. First up, they could sing. Beautiful singers. Hey. They had a wildly wide vocal range and, quote, voice lessons alone occupied the better part of six years. End quote. My God. That's a lot of singing practice. And I'm thinking here, hey, maybe they could give Baron Harkonnen a run for his money at karaoke night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the sing-off we all wanted to see. Yes, I need that showdown. Next up, they could also change how old or young they look. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all the Dune Encyclopedia tells us. There is no elaboration on how that happens or what sacks are used to achieve that <laughs> ability. So you'll just have to trust us on this one. They inflated their old sack. Shrunk their young sack. <laughs> Looked real tired. <laughs> Next up, they're basically top-level yogis. Similar to Benny Gesserit training, they were astonishingly good at muscular control, down to every single muscle. Plus, and I quote, surgical changes where needed. <laughs> uh... I want to be flexible. Make me more flexible. You're as flexible as you can be. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> and then they get a surgery, and now they're more flexible. Yeah. Incredible. And finally, look, being a face dancer is a profession, and nothing beats just good old talent and passion and practice. Yeah. There was just natural variability from face dancer to face dancer with their skill set. Yeah. The best of the best seem to have that sort of X factor, right? The thing that even the Benny Tleilax could not engineer for. Right. 
no matter how many weird injections and hormonal therapies and strange valves they added into a face dancer's body. Yeah. There is always that X factor that can make one face dancer better or more skilled than another. Right. The impression that we get throughout this research, though, is that you're pretty committed to this life. Like, you're engineered to be a face dancer. So we imagine there's not that many sort of half-hearted face dancers out there that don't want to play basketball, Dad. I just want to <laughs> dance and sing. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, the, you are engineered for this. And ultimately, they're bred to perform this function. And it seems like most of them did what they loved and loved what they do, even when it's gross and weird. It's what they excelled at. It's really like the very definition of hashtag built different, right? <laughs> like you and I can joke all we want that yeah. we're so good at what we do because we're just built different, baby. <laughs> right. The face dancers can be like, yeah, I'm literally fucking built different, which is why I can, I'm so good. Sounds like you're using figurative speech over there. <laughs> I'm using literal. I was built differently than you. <laughs> Watch me inflate. <gasps> <gasps> Bro, check this out. <gasps> Whoa, that's crazy. Whoa. <laughs> Incredible party tricks all around. That's face dangerous, folks. That's it. That's what that's the episode. <laughs> Take a breath. Pat yourself on the back. We made it. Oh, man. We made it through oh, quite a few rough patches there. We did. And reflect on the fact that you fucking voted on this episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> this was right. what you wanted. You asked for this, literally. And I'll say that there is more to say about face dancers. We might have to come back to them in a future episode because their abilities changed. You know, as we said... The Benny Tlalax are never ones to say, you know what, that's good enough. Right. We're just going to leave it at that. There's always a uh, a new iteration, a new version. The Face Dancer 14 Pro Max Deluxe Executive <laughs> with Truly. a touchpad. So uh, <laughs> you'll have to find the touchpad. Um, <laughs> so we'll come back to them some other time. But let's wrap up, as we like to do, on a question. So Abu, how would you test to see if a friend or family member has been replaced by a Tlalaxu <laughs> face dancer. <laughs> this feels like a trap on your part to I am get not me to out notes. myself as a face dancer. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, no. This, this is a great question and important for all of us, right? We should always be testing friends and family members <laughs> for face dancers. There are a lot of options as we've discussed on the episode today. There's the classic punch them in the face and see if the malleable <laughs> material in their skull changes shape. There's also just trying to lift them up and seeing if they actually weigh what you think they weigh. Yeah. And uh, an old classic, a fan favorite, the do they sink test is always one that's effective as well. It's tough to decide how I'd go about testing my family and friends. And so I think ultimately, in a very Gamjabarian way, <laughs> I think I'd have to use all the tests. <laughs> sure. I'd have to be absolutely sure because no one has ever suffered for being thorough, of course. So the follow-up question then naturally for me becomes, okay, how do I trick my family and friends into the perfect scenario <laughs> where they somehow get punched in the face and then they get lifted up and thrown into a pool in which they may or may not drown? <laughs> and as... I thought about that. I had horrible flashbacks to my time in high school and potential pool parties with a bully that I may or may not have suppressed and may or may not have to talk about in therapy. <laughs> there were no face dancers in my high school. Wow. I knew this episode was going to be hard for us, but I didn't know it was going to cut so deeply. <laughs> I know. I know. What about you? I'm curious what tests you would run on family and friends. Uh, you know... I hear what you're saying. I, I think you're right. You you really do got to run the gambit. Um, I, I I don't trust myself to do that discreetly, and I don't want to like accelerate their assassination plans. <laughs> so for me, very on brand for me, I've actually already begun a strict schedule of regular karaoke nights Ooh. with people who have the most access to assassinating me. Right. So they have access to my bodily safety, they're coming out to sing, all right? Uh-huh. And with both 
regular outings, regularly scheduled, and surprise karaoke outings. Whoa, is this a yes. karaoke bar? Come in, let's do some karaoke. I'm keeping accurate tabs on how everyone's singing abilities are progressing. <laughs> that way, if someone gets suddenly a lot fucking better. I'm like, you sound six years of vocal training better, my friend. Uh-huh. I can call them an Uber to take them home. I can be like, oh, you are, ooh, you are looking rough. Take an Uber home, and then I'm going to leave the country and change my name. <laughs> Either that, or I'll just call up whoever your bully was <laughs> to punch him in the face and throw him in a pool. <laughs> Seems uh, A or B, you know? A or B, I think is going to yeah, be good. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that karaoke night as an effective tool against espionage. <laughs> Who would have thought? So th- this has been your annual PSA from Gamja Bar. Always be testing your friends and family for face dancers. It's you true. never know. <laughs> Stay vigilant. Oh my God. Is this why guys always claim to be six feet on Tinder? <laughs> <laughs> to be just outside of the range of <laughs> face oh dancers? Oh my God. Right. <laughs> Watch out for those 5'11 dudes. I know, my dad's 5'11. (laughs) (gasps) (laughs) Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help spread the word of Muad'Dib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lord Party Podcast Network on lordparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, whoever controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the Golden Path. <laughs> There's something so funny about just the sound of <gasps> it's like so oh, God.